As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be. Oh man, it's right. eight o'clock. And so that'll make it a. I don't need the spotlight. I shine just fine. Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I am a bitch. Brav Bros. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brav Bros, your favorite podcast from the bros for everybody, for whoever wants to listen. I am your co-host, Steel Russell, joined as always by the one and only Shooter Magooder, and I'm just addressing you by your name tonight because I'm frazzled. Frazzle-dazzled. Frazzle-dazzled, Dazzled. <laughs> How are you doing? Brendan Fraser. Um, what's going on? How are you? Let's turn the tables. I don't like this. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't like the change-up, but I don't know. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted after the week that we've had. How are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. I honestly, I mean, I went down the shore last week. I got a good tan, feeling pretty good. We had a great interview on Tuesday. We sure did. And look, I mean, overall, what I took away from that is people think that we take this a lot more seriously. It's not this podcast, but the news that comes out of things a lot more seriously than we actually do. That's a good point. And look, we don't know when we have a guest on. We're just kind of giving them the opportunity to talk. We don't know if they're telling the truth ever, honestly. But we're going to give them the opportunity to talk and see what they say. And the vibe I got from John Fuda is he seemed to be telling the truth. He seemed genuine. Either he's incredibly good at making up a story or he's just telling the truth. And I feel like there's just people out there. Jersey specifically, we've heard this before. We've talked to Zach before. Jersey, especially on Twitter, is a scary place to be. But this is the first time we've fully experienced it, I guess. So, like, I was taken aback by it. And you said it really well. We take the podcast very seriously. We love the podcast. We are grateful for the podcast. We're grateful for all of our listeners. The news that comes out of Jersey, we take it like a TV show. Because that's what it is. It's a TV show. So we comment on the TV show. What was funny about the reactions from this interview All we did was give a guy who was accused of things a platform in which to explain the accusations and explain his side of the story. If you're a detective or a police officer or anybody that's, you know, trying to uncover the truth, the first step is to ask that person that is accused of what their story is. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's really not much more to it. No. And the funny thing is, obviously, like we posted clips. And even in those clips, I don't think you and I said more than like three or four words. Total. The one clip, neither of us are in the clip. Yeah. It's just John. And then every, co- well, look, and to be fair, I was genuinely surprised because one, I know that Twitter is, Twitter's a different place. But when I went on YouTube, most people were supportive of it. Most people were saying that it was a great interview. They had a great time. Everybody on TikTok, same thing. Instagram was a little bit mixed, but still leaning towards good. And then Twitter was just an absolute shit show. Like a fucking war zone. Dude. And it's it just crazy. so funny because it's always the same people. It's always the people that have no followers. It's always the people that you go through their timeline. And they are not saying anything supportive. I saw one person had a pinned tweet where it said, Teresa's a queen 15 times in a row. Yeah, exactly. It's like, these people are crazy. When Shooter tweeted out, like, let's see if this will get you idiots to shut up. All of our actual listeners, the people that support us, that know us, know that we're not talking to you. We're not calling you an idiot. The people that are idiots are the people that are reacting to this interview as though we shot the Pope or that we murdered yeah, we, somebody. The like Archduke Franz Ferdinand like, uh, started World War One, I, I guess. I don't know what the hell happened, but I mean, we call ourselves idiots more than anything we else, are idiots honest, and we know we're idiots this was just it was 
crazy. And it was funny to think that anyone actually thought that they were really messing with us and that like my tweet that I fired off was me being angry about something. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. This is fun for me. Yeah, no, no. I we, love this. What you guys don't know is that we text each other on the side while we're going like into battle on the yeah. comments. We're like, yo, check the little screenshot comments that we make back. And here's the difference, right? And this is something I learned while I was coaching professional baseball. It was my first season. I was a young coach. And my boss asked me in front of the entire staff, what do you think about a certain player? And I said, oh, I can't fucking hit. He pulled me out of the meeting afterwards and said, hey, just a heads up, like when we're discussing things, the minute that you use profanity, it tends to lose credibility in what you're saying. It just seems a little bit softer. It's not as to the point people won't take it as seriously. And I really took that to heart. So when I'm in a professional setting, despite how bad my mouth is, I don't cuss when I'm trying to get a point across. If I'm in an argument, I try not to just throw cuss words and insults out there because you lose credibility instantly. When I was reading through these comments, if you have a counterpoint or evidence to the contrary, we will read it, we'll look at it, we'll, we'll engage with you in a conversation. All the people that said mean shit come for you personally out of the gate. We're either oh, stupid, yeah. we're <laughs> ugly. <laughs> and also, we do not get paid by anybody on the Gorga side, the Fuda side, whatever. That's my favorite I one. wish. Did you, the one that I loved was apparently we got a $500 gift card. I saw a $1,000 gift card. We got $1,000? Yeah, from the Fuda. Yeah. It? I, pff, Amazon. I ain't got yeah. it. Well, was it for tile? <laughs> yeah, it was specifically <laughs> for tile. Hey, you want to get your kitchen retiled? You know who Come to call. Come to my showroom. Here's $100. Uh, and that's the thing is like, People are trying to base it off of, oh, yeah, well, there's another podcast that's talking to his ex who's in prison, and she says this, and it's like, okay, well, John Fuda said this, so now it's just words against words. You don't really need to take a stance. You can just be like, hey, I, you know, we had a good interview with the guy. He seemed pretty genuine. If more evidence comes out, then we will talk about that evidence. That's the whole thing is we didn't really take a stance. We had a good time with him. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. And he had fun with us. And we tried to get him to open up a little bit. And we got some information out of him. And that was that. And that's all. That's what an interview is. Our, our point for that interview was to give him a platform to defend himself so we can hear his side of the story. His ex has the same opportunity. She was with the All About Real Housewives podcast. Did the same thing. The funny thing is... If you want to compare what we're, you guys are all up in arms about him being a felon, which by the way, your queen is a actual felon. She went to prison, but the other person they're interviewing that's apparently your credible source has a rap sheet a mile long and is actually in prison as a felon. So my point is not that you can't listen to both sides and then make a deduction on what you believe. My yeah. point is if you're going to throw stones at one side, it's the exact same fucking argument for the other side. So it's just, it doesn't make sense. And that's when I get frustrated. These comments didn't get under my skin. It didn't like, no. hurt me emotionally. I get mad when I see just dumb things being said. When there's well, no logic to it, I get frustrated. And that's fair. And obviously the majority of the negative comments were coming from people who don't listen to our show anyway. And I really think that the funniest part about all of this is people try to point to the fact that we talk about how we don't really take sides. We're not still not really taking sides. All we're really doing is analyzing this season. You yes. had a good season. If you're really going to sit there and look, I like Teresa beforehand. I said before the season, if she was to leave, Jersey would crumble because that's the foundation. By the end of the season, I didn't get anything out of her. She had a terrible reunion. The whole season, she was boring as hell. Louis was absolutely off the rails. Yep. And if you can't just watch the season and think, 
wow, all right, maybe he's like losing a little bit of control here. Maybe Teresa's kind of boring. You can't look at things pragmatically. Then I don't really know what you're doing. I, like that's all we're doing is looking at just this season in a nutshell, or really the past two seasons, and saying, okay, well, look, John Fuda had a really good reunion. Subjectively, he had a good reunion. He stepped up. He spoke up more than anyone else there, and he made sense. And it's really not that hard to have a good reunion. All you really have to do is put a couple of sentences together that make sense. <laughs> and in the nonsense that was going on there, we condemned Melissa for yelling over Teresa. We condemned other people for doing the same thing. Like, that's what we're going to do the entire time. I think that's the funniest part is that it doesn't mean you're picking sides if you just see that somebody's doing better and you comment on that. Like, oh, John seems like he's telling the truth. There is reasons behind what he did. He has stories to back things up. He has evidence to back things up. It doesn't mean something. Oh, we like didn't see the evidence. And, and to be fair, it's not like I don't think he's in a position to open up that envelope and show us. Nor was he in a position to open up the envelope and show it on the reunion. I, I get that. I, I I don't really, you know, th that is what it is. And we're not expecting him to do that. But we're also not going to immediately say he must be lying because we haven't seen any evidence. There's no evidence anywhere. That's my point. And so if we're going to, like, at the very least, you can take the man from his word. Even though our judicial system is a little flawed, innocent until proven guilty, unless you're on Real Housewives of New Jersey and you're going against Teresa. We don't have any evidence against this man. He was not convicted of a crime. There is no evidence that he was a felon. All we did was show that. We didn't pick a fucking I kind of feel bad for the Teresa people because honestly, like, they must be... I, I, people who are fans of the show and they really like Teresa because of what she's built, I get that. But those are the same people that watched this season and said Teresa's boring. There are people out there that are yeah, logical. Yeah. But the people that are watching and trying to defend her actions or try to defend Louie's actions, for God's sake, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. There's got to be something wrong there. And at the end of the day, I can't imagine that you're enjoying this show that you love, that you're supporting so much. So I feel bad for those people. That's well said. And look, to all of those that defended us in the comments, there was plenty of you. We really appreciate it. For those of you asking if we're okay, I promise you we are fine. We thrive yeah, off really of, well. We thrive off of this nonsense. It's it's fun. This is like the other side of the podcast where it's it's kind of fun to get into some shit. Yeah, sometimes. it was great. So, I was sitting around playing Zelda and just like, oh yeah, new yeah. comment, fun, great. So we're good. The bros are fine. We will be fine and continue to be fine. And don't worry, we're going to continue to do what we do because nobody does it like the bros. <laughs> <laughs> Enough ranting and raving. Let's get to the Rose and Thorn. And there's a lot to choose from this week. So, Shoots, why don't you start us off, pal? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with my Rose because I mean, there were a lot of Thorns. And just in general, I think I'm just going to say my Thorn is just Twitter. That's a good Thorn. Because, and let me just dig a little bit deeper here just because it's the Thorn segment. The people that were negatively commenting on things, they weren't DMing us. So, I don't actually think that they feel that way That's i think they point. just do it for a show they just put a comment on it one of our tweets had like twenty five thousand views in an hour and people were taking the opportunity to put a funny comment out there or be mean or do whatever but they weren't dming us so i don't actually think that they feel that way so twitter and i guess by association elon musk you guys get a thorn yeah elon my rose this is great it came from a review uh late last week and the headline is i'm a shooter fan there's too many of these coming in, guys. There's too many that are naming Shooter and oh, it needs man. to stop. I honestly, it's so funny because it, it has to do with our segment last week about 
I think it was just the cold opening about me talking about country music and stuff. Oh, we got and, some uh, I honestly thought that I was going to piss a lot of people off, and nobody was mad. No, there was a couple DMs where you ruffled feathers, but they ended it with a ha-ha. Like, Not as many as the ingest. Canada thing, so you know. Uh, no, no, no. Canada won. Somebody came much harder for you. Yeah, I think Canada actually won that battle. I'll, uh, hands up there. Um, so this one's from Zoe Bird 29 I didn't think I could love Shooter any more than I already do, but when he said he'd rather listen to emo music over country, I became a diehard fan of his. I might even root for the Eagles next season. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Okay. Not only am I bringing fans to the Eagles, I'm just creating an army here, you know? I hate that yeah. idea. I, we might have to make a shirt. Yep, Shooter's, Shooter's Army. army. I, I'll, I'll make that shirt. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if anybody buys that shirt. I'll make that shirt. <laughs> but go birds, so it's a rose. All right, so for my thorn, it's similar to you. It's just kind of a collective thorn from Twitter, I guess. But you know what? I don't have any more energy for it. So moving on to my rose. This one is also a review, and this person spoke to my heart. This is from Angel Bellino. It's titled, This five-star rating is for the Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Oh, yeah. I love, love, love this podcast, but it sent me over the edge as one of my favorites when they shouted out the Cheese Gordita Crunch. It is indeed the best fast food item. Hell, yeah. You're damn right it is, Angel. That's what you get with us. We'll talk some Bravo and then throw in a Cheesy Gordita yeah, Crunch. Yeah, throw in that. We need to get sponsored by Taco Bell. Oh, my God. I will stop being a personal trainer just to do that if, if I need... You're going to work out twice a day, probably. <laughs> probably work out more. But I, oh my God, Taco Bell, what's up? If you're a Taco Bell rep and you're listening, we want Cheese Gordita Crunches and we will shout you out every episode. You can pay us in Cheesy Gordita Crunches. Because Cheese Gordita Crunches are the crunch. See what I did there? No. Like, they're they're the crunch. No. That's our pickup line. <laughs> That's our tagline. Plug. All right. Plug. Plug. It worked. See what I did? We plugged it. Uh, anyway. But that takes us to a show that I have rather enjoyed through its entirety. I'm glad that we decided to dive into it more because this show has promise. It has an interesting cast of characters, and I think it speaks to this generation more so than any other show I've seen. Yeah. And that's Martha's Vineyard, Summerhouse Martha's Vineyard. And what's your thoughts up until now? Like, how are you liking this show? It's definitely something different, and that's pretty much like exactly what the doctor ordered, honestly. Yeah. After everything that we went through, Scandaval and Mount Jersey and everything else <laughs> that the hell is going on, we finally got, and obviously there are some serious moments in it, but for the most part, it's kind-hearted. Pretty much every person on this show brings a different dynamic. Yeah. And it's really interesting that there's so many at play, and you can see, like, yeah, they're not always friends all the time. Yeah, you're not going to get fights between, you know, maybe like Nick and Amir, but for the most part, it keeps it fresh. It keeps it interesting, which is something that we really haven't had in a new show. We've seen people try to kind of like find their footing the whole time. And I think that this show kind of figured it out because they have people going in and out. They have, you know, mainstays. They have boyfriends and girlfriends coming in all over the place, showing FaceTimes and phone calls with their friends back home. I, I don't know. There's something about this show that just works. You know what I love? And I'm glad they did it here. And we saw it on Ultimate Girls Trip. The on-site confessional yeah. is big. Like, if they can go into that room when they choose to, like, if something crazy happens and they can pop in there and just give a couple of one-liners, that is so much better than when they bring them back after the season to do the the confessionals. Like, I, the, I, 
I don't know when they do the confessionals, to be honest, because we we either. saw in VPR that Sandoval was getting a call from Schwartz in the middle of his confessional, and then we saw footage of that later. So I, I really don't know if they do it like bit by bit and they just wear the whole thing. Or obviously, you know, maybe they do it after a couple of weeks, then they'll like check in. Maybe like not because otherwise, how is it still fresh in your minds? Like I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. Like, how am I going to remember what you did last week? That pissed uh, me off? If you are filming scenes and it's like your job, I think you'd have a better handle on it. Hopefully. Nope. No, Nope. definitely not. No chance. All right. Well, if anybody knows how that works, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> I would imagine it's like a couple episodes or maybe three and then they do it. But regardless, the on-site confessional should be mandatory. It should be a mainstay across the board. Just put a room in every housewife's house where they can pop in and give a quick like, wah. At the very least, they should do it on all the housewife trips. Like in yeah, Ireland, yeah, yeah, yeah. like That's one good, thing yes. up there so that Danielle can go immediately upstairs in the bathroom and go talk about why she feels the way that she feels. I like that. Rather than giving her a couple of weeks to kind of figure out how she wants to come about it. You know I what like I mean? that, yeah. No, so make it mandatory on trips. Yep. yep. When they're collectively as a group, we need a confessional room, yep. but let's jump in. We are at dinner still. Uh, it's the aftermath of Shanice going out on the porch and flashing the entire party kind of as a fuck you to Bria. And Bria wasn't, wasn't even there. out there because <laughs> she's laying in bed because she's so emotionally drained from the day before. I think she was hungover. She was hungover and I think trying to prove a point because she was upset. But the thing that was funny because Simon goes up there and like brings her a plate of food and tells her that the best part is now Simon's like Shanice was out there and she just had her boobs out. And I, of course I wasn't looking like it's crazy that she would do that. Can you believe it? It's like, dude, you're in the hot he tub with her. Even sound like that. That's pretty close. The German accent. I, I think I nailed it. I think this is Simon, but the night before he's sitting next to Shanice, who's nude and she was head to toe naked the night yeah. before. And he's just drinking a bottle of, I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Bria like made a big, <laughs> obviously she made a big deal about it and talked about it the whole next day. So maybe he realized like, Hey, I'm going to go upstairs and tell her what happened and nip act like I'm on bud. her side. Nice. Yeah. Nip, nice. Nip this in the butt. That's You sound like Will Forte in beer fest. That's what you sound like. Oh, you know what? I might base my German accent off of that scene. Yeah. Honestly, his character. Clock. What the fuck was that? The fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> but when Shanice gets out there, no one at the table is like, ha ha, good joke. Everyone's like, what the hell, man? Like, yeah. what are we doing? And I do think that this is a slightly more, although I think some of them put on an act a little bit every now and then, I do think this is a slightly more emotionally mature cast than we've seen on these shows because they are able to articulate their feelings and things a little bit better than other people have been on other shows. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. And you kind of get that. Obviously, a lot of them are friends, but this is the first time that they've been filming. So you get something like that happening on Summer House. It's going to have a completely different feel. And I think even going back to the night before when it happened, everybody was kind of partying. Either you know they were tired or they were drunk at the time. Or both. Or both. And the next day, they just didn't really want to feel like dealing with stuff from the night before, which I fully understand because that happens all the time. But now that it's, you know, it's the middle of the day, you haven't really been, you haven't been like boozing all day. You're not drunk. You're looking up and you know that Bria made a big deal about this all day. I do like Bria's appeal to it where she thinks, well, now, you know, everybody gets to see what I was talking about. Yeah. Before. Karma's a bitch. Yeah. It's like, this isn't and really karma. <laughs> it's not really karma. But now at least they understand like, all right, yeah, this is a little much. Like if it was just the one thing, like you're drunk, you're in a hot tub, cool, whatever. That's where like, I don't really understand it because again, like... If she if she's just like that and she lives free and she wants to go do that, 
then go do it. I like I, I really don't know how to piece that together because yeah. I, you want to be you want to be supportive of somebody who just wants to live free and doesn't really give a shit. But if you at the same time when there's significant others there, yeah. then it gets a little weird and it like kind of sexualizes the whole environment. But just being outwardly disrespectful when you know it's going to rub somebody the wrong way. That's when it becomes an issue, but if people have an issue with you taking off your top in front of their significant other, which I don't know who wouldn't, and they voice that to you, and they had to sit down the next day, and you still have the need. And yeah, that was the thing that didn't make any problem. sense. Yeah, she had, had like, sat down and talked about it. Right. And she had the full on, I thought it was genuine too. When she sat down with Bria and Bria said that, she seemed genuine. She was, it looked like she didn't realize what was going on. And she was sorry that she completely was ignorant of the whole thing. But yeah, then when you double up and do that once again and think it's like going to be a really big, funny joke, eh, no. Didn't land. It no. did not land. But while they're at the table, Jasmine brings up to Shanice about Alex and the Google incident. And Shanice says, I'm going to talk about it with him tomorrow. It's not the right time, not the right setting. And yep. Jasmine's like, yeah, okay, cool. Two seconds later, Jasmine shouts this out across the table to Alex and brings it up. And so now... It's at the forefront of the conversation, and Alex is catching the heat for all of this because I guess he's the one that initially brought it up, and I guess he brought it up multiple times too. But here's the thing: when they show the scene of them discussing it, there were six people in the room, yeah. all had something to say on the matter. It yeah. wasn't like they were standing there quietly giving like one-word responses and kind of being like, "All right, like not the time." They were all contributing to the conversation the whole time, so yeah. he's definitely catching a lot of the heat for it. And then other people are acting like it's insane that he Googled everybody in the house. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. It's like, I mean, it's a simple thing. If you're going to be on a show, right, these aren't like normal people. You're now right. TV personalities. Why would you not Google the people in the house so you can be prepped a little bit? Right. And Summer even said that she looked at everybody's Instagram, which is, you know, it's a half a step away from going to Google. It's the same Honestly, thing. No, it's, it's not their name. If you type in their name, you get other things that might pop up. You go on Instagram, you're just going to see pictures and maybe some comments. Highlight reel. Like it's, yeah. it's really, yeah, it's, it's the good. It's everything good in the world. Okay. But you go to Google, you might get some bad stuff. At the same time, I fully agree with you. This was spoken in a whole group setting. And I was kind of disappointed that nobody else, and that's kind of where I'm leaning towards a lot of the guys in the house, except for Nick, who did stand up for Alex yeah, like and said. One, in his confessional, yeah, I Googled everybody. You got to have research on what's going on here. Boom, done. That makes sense. And two, he admitted that everybody knew. Like, we talked about it. There was a whole group there. So he at least stood up for Alex. Otherwise, Alex was out on an island by himself yep. trying to deal with this. I think the, the problem lies with the beginning of the trip. Shanice was kind of into Alex, and Alex was into Shanice. Seemingly so, yeah. And and I don't think that I'm going out on a limb by saying that. It looked pretty apparent so because, you know, nothing happened with them romantically, because Alex looked this up and said, you know what, maybe I don't want to deal with something like this. Yeah, maybe he should have asked her. But at the same time, yes. I get it. That's the problem. The problem here is that he didn't bring it up to her and just have that conversation, especially right. knowing now that it's an issue and he still hasn't addressed it. That is a problem. Like Alex should yeah. have been like, hey. But that's when I battle with. Real world versus a TV. show. Yeah, that's fair. And on the show, yes, absolutely. You need to sit her down and say something to her. In the real world, yeah, no. I mean, if I look at something, if I'm flirting with a girl and I find out that she has a past where she might be a stalker, I'm probably not going to bring it up to her and I'm probably going to keep my distance. 
if I'm being entirely honest. But you're not stuck in a house with her for two weeks. Exactly. So I'm that's not stuck joke. in a house with her. So that's where the show part comes in. So it does kind of muddy the waters a little bit. But I do think that at the core of everything, Alex is in this the most because there was something there and then it went away and she's upset about it, which is fine. She's allowed to be upset too because that does suck. Yeah. Because again, as we talked about with Fuda, there's information out there that isn't good and she's not getting a chance to talk about it. Yeah. So if she just had a chance to talk about it, look, maybe she sits down with the whole group and just says, hey guys, there's something out there about me. I just want you to know it's not true. I had a messy breakup with a guy and he claimed that I was stalking him. Boom, done. Everybody probably forgives you and moves on. They would definitely move on faster again. So nobody's necessarily wrong, in my opinion. It's just Jason, kind of a shitty situation. Jason said it best because he just says, I don't villainize you, but you could have handled it better. And I think that sums up for the majority of the group. Like, it it wasn't a big deal. It turned into a bigger deal than it needed to be. Right. And we just could have handled it better. But they all agree to move on, so it's water under the bridge. I want to point out that Amir knows how to two-step. The old, the old Texas two-step. Yep. I appreciated that scene. It's the easiest dance in the world. And they do that because people in Texas don't have rhythm. So they... <laughs> Me neither. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But I'm from <laughs> Texas. That's why I made the joke. Oh, God. Now you're making fun of our audience again. <laughs> not. I love two-stepping. I used to go... There's a place in Midland called Rock and Rodeo. And I would go there all the time. Like, too much. I would go there way too much. Wait, is this the place that you would get bumped off the dance floor if you weren't two-stepping correctly yeah so that's okay, yeah. so here's the thing if you don't know about line dancing in texas and i'm sure people have seen movies with line dancing and all that shit so thursday nights usually at like a honky tonk or a western bar is the night that they go over the steps so you have to be there on thursday night to learn the dances for saturday night if you are not present and you don't know the steps and you try to jump onto a live two-step like line dancing floor People will kick you off and not gently. Like I got thrown when I was playing baseball in junior college. I was thrown into a table off of the dance floor because I bumped into a dude that was line dancing and I didn't know the steps. How did you feel about that? Um, I don't really remember. I was pretty go. lit yeah. and uh, may or may not have gotten in a little, a little kerfuffle, if you will. Yep, there you and go. then I was promptly asked to leave the bar via a bouncer throwing me out of the bar. Asked. I am sober now, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, I forgot about that one. Anyway, let's keep going. This is where the episode takes a turn. It's been kind of lighthearted up until now, after the Shanice stuff at least. And this was a pretty serious moment. And we see Jordan react to Alex, who has said a few things now that could be seen as objectifying. He sees it as flirting, but he called her thick when they were setting up dinner. And then he makes a comment to her because she snuggled up to Preston about her having sex, even though we know that she's been celibate for a year. And she starts to kind of get upset and goes back at him. And then it starts to snowball. And then it starts to come out where she feels as though she's been objectified in this house by not only Alex, but also Amir. And that even though her celibacy is a real thing and it's something she takes very seriously, it's the brunt of a lot of jokes. But sobriety is not joked about, even though Alex has had a few drinks over the summer veganism is not joked about even though alex is a vegan like there's a lot of things that are similar as far as labels yeah that are not pointed out but because she's celibate and that one's quote-unquote funnier she feels as though she's taking the brunt and then i think and i'm speaking from a place of watching and viewing not a place of understanding by any means but she says 
that she feels objectified by these guys. And this seems to me like this is a larger issue that she has where she feels like this generally. I, I get that. And also, I think that it's honestly, it's just a problem that guys have. Like all of Alex's jokes are fucking weird. They're weird and that they're, they're joke, off-putting. Well, first off, the joke made no sense. It, it was stupid. It wasn't even a joke. It was just a dumb comment. Him calling her thick earlier, also weird, creepy. Don't like that. Even Amir, to the point where, like, I do like Amir, and I think he possibly has a good future with Bravo moving forward. Guys in a room calling dibs on a girl is fucking weird. It's a shit It's look weird. One. I it's get it. In high too. school, I understand that because if there's, whatever, testosterone in the locker room. Locker you're room an idiot. Cool you don't shit. know any better. Whatever. But if you're 28, 30 years old, however the hell old they are, and you're calling dibs on a girl when she comes into the house, it's you're an asshole. weird. You're, Just you're an asshole. Don't say anything. Maybe you say, wow, she's really pretty. Wow, she's really attractive. Boom, done. Somebody else might agree with you. Don't try to make it this whole like bulls trying to get into mating season bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I, I couldn't think of a good uh, an appropriate allegory. Oh, my God. Allegory? No, it's not an allegory. I know it's not. I'm uh, just trying to figure out what the fuck you were saying. No idea. But Algorithm. bulls on parade. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Off the rails here. No, but it, it just doesn't make any sense, and it's just stupid, and there's no real place for it in the real world, so just move the fuck on. I didn't agree with Amir walking away and kind of freaking out about the whole thing. He's still just butthurt that Jordan doesn't want to hook up with him. That's all that That's is. That's all it is, and then I I appreciate that they showed the scene where he was fuming and decided to call his boy, and his boy calmed him down, and he walked back nah, in. fuck that scene. That was bullshit, dude. I just mean in general, like if I'm fuming and I don't want to cause a scene, I'll go outside and maybe call you. I get and be like, that. yo, man, what's going on? But I'm as an aside from the whole situation. I got you. Because it makes it a little bit more real for me. But in the whole thing, Jordan is entirely right. They've been making fun of something that she's having a really hard time with. Obviously, she has this past where if you Google her, you see naked pictures and it sexualizes her. She doesn't like it. She's celibate. She's talking about it. She went to brunch to celebrate one year. She doesn't really know what she wants, and she's figuring shit out. There shouldn't be people, especially guys out there, making jokes at your expense, especially somebody like Alex, who, by the way, I would make fun of for being a vegan. I would, too. <laughs> I would absolutely make fun of him. I wouldn't make fun of him if he has a couple of drinks and he's trying not to drink. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Do you, bro. But if you're going to be a vegan, I'm probably going to make fun of you. And now to... we're going to piss off more listeners. <laughs> uh, if you're, I don't have any. No, I don't have any issues actually vegans, against no. vegans. I just think vegan jokes are. No, but if sometimes. Alex made a joke at somebody else's expense, I would rip him apart. Absolutely. For being a vegan. Yeah, I know. I, I, tons of my friends are vegans because I'm a personal trainer, so yeah. I don't actually have it. There's actually a lot of shockingly good vegan food. I make a lot of good vegan food. A lot of my clients are vegans, but anyway, just trying to soften the blow for our <laughs> vegan fans out there. But my thing with the Amir scene when he's on the phone is now he's playing the victim. And it's like, dude, you can say what you want to say. And now you conveniently have changed the phrasing in which you said what you said, because you're telling your boy on the phone, all I said was, I'm interested in getting to know her better. It's like, bitch, you didn't say that. No. You didn't even kind of say that. You said, Jordan, mine. Or Jordan dibs. Like, literally, it was one well, of those Sugar-coated, two. if you're calling your boy, give him at least the full yeah, details and let him, him what's up. break it down. And then he might be like, yeah, bro, that's kind of a shitty look. Yeah. Like, if you came up to me and said, hey, man, dibs, at this <laughs> age, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding, bro? Like, I'm going to go tell her, yeah, by the you way. Would, that you would, would send me to therapy. The first thing I would do is walk up to that girl and be like, hey, my boy over there is called dibs. Don't go near him. Yeah, avoid you him. Don't, you don't want off. that guy at all. But and then after the night, they get back to the bedroom and Silas brings it up out of nowhere. She's in bed already. And he's like, so are we going to talk about what happened earlier? 
what do you no? There's nothing to talk about. Your pants got stained because there was something on the iron. And by the way, nobody checks the bottom of an iron before they use the iron. No. Have you ever looked at the bottom and like, mm, looks good Not to me? Once. No, you plug it in, you wait till it gets hot, and you stick it on your shit. That's how you. That's that's. Irons. I actually recently got a steamer, so I'm going to see if that does better than the iron. Oh, I'm a big steamer guy. Are you? Yeah, okay. we got like two of them upstairs. We got a big boy, and then like a little handheld guy. You take on vacay. Oh, I think I got a yeah. medium size. So yeah, no, you got to see what happens. You'll be a steamer guy. Yeah, I can right. tell. You look like a big steamer. Big Cleveland steamer. Yeah, like a big old Cleveland steamer over there. But the morning after. We get more drama between the two of them because she makes him breakfast. She brings him breakfast and he just like pushes the plate away like a like an angry child. Like, mm, I don't want that because there's starch in it, because there's potatoes. You know I don't eat potatoes or wheat and blah, blah. He bitches about everything. He does it in a condescending way where he's talking down to her. He makes her seem stupid when she's not. She's just trying to do what a wife should do in her mind. This is how she believes that a wife should act. Like she's trying her best to be what he wants. She's making the effort. She is going halfway. You can yeah. see it by bringing him a plate, by trying to iron his shit, by trying to do quote unquote wifely things. She's doing her part in this relationship. He has not budged at all. He still talks to her like shit. He treats her like shit. He's just a miserable person and I'm sick of watching him. Yeah, no, so am I. And he has this weird like traditional 1950s bullshit marriage idea in his mind. And I don't know where the hell it came from because we don't know Silas, but watching it on screen is tough. And if this, this is how he's going to act on film, how the fuck does he act when he's off camera? I know how much worse is it for Jasmine in their home when they go home? Like they're, they're in year one of their marriage. I don't know how long they were dating before then because I never really cared to figure that out because their relationship looked terrible. But over the last couple of episodes, you can see it's all on Silas. Jasmine is trying her hardest to just do something for him, keep the guy happy, and he's entirely incapable of being happy. He didn't even look at her. He's, he's a little baby. He's sitting there <laughs> on his computer doing financial an analyst work or whatever fucking bullshit he does. And... Doesn't even look up at her. Nope. She hands him the bowl of breakfast, which looked lovely. It did. She the even garnished looked it. Awesome. She garnished that shit with an After orange. He bitched about his pants. I would have burned those. She comes in pants. and she, oh my God. And she comes in and gives him breakfast, comes back up and says, should I just assume that you're not going to eat that because it's been sitting here for an hour? And he says, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to finish that. I don't, I don't see myself finishing that and just pushes it away. I don't, I don't like, eat, I don't load up on carbs like, or starch. Dude, and, and he's like, you should know this. And she's just trying to do something for the guy while he's not budging. He is the quintessential comes home from work and expects his goes wife to the to pool open. house with Bill Aiden. Oh, there you go. <laughs> expects his wife to open a beer and he sits on his recliner and sits there and watches TV all night and doesn't say a word. Like shakes the beer, can when dinner, he needs a new boom, one. Done. Come here, wife. Do everything. Like, he sucks. He's an asshole. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. And we try to give people a fair shake as much as we possibly can. But four or five episodes in, if you're an asshole to other people in the house, that's one thing. If you're an asshole to your wife, the person that you chose to marry, you are an asshole. There's Certified. no other way around it. Stamped. Yeah. Shooter here to talk to you guys about Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track to reaching your goals. 
And look, everybody wants to be fit in the summer. I come home, Steele's flexing right now because he's fit for the summer. I come home and I see like four or five boxes of Factor meals just for people in my apartment complex. It's pretty wild, honestly. Factor is really taken over. And Factor offers delicious flavor-packed options on the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles from keto to calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and protein plus. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has its own ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. You can choose from 34 plus chef prepared meals, dietitian approved weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. All of that sounds delicious, Steel. What do you say, buddy? Head to factormeals.com slash bravbros50 and use code bravbros50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code bravbros50 at factormeals.com slash bravbros50 to get 50% off your first box. And that takes us to OC or Rosi, as I like to call it. Shooter prefers to call it rock, but uh, rock. <laughs> you actually called it rock. Rock. You usually make fun of Aunt me Brock. when I do this. Nice. We'll call it rock because Shooter went along with it. We are, what, six episodes in? Five, I think. Five? Yeah. How? Four, maybe? I honestly don't know. Four? I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe it's three. No, nah, I think it's four. It's three or four. Wow. I just. We're all over the map here. But this is our first season of Rosie. So how are you feeling about this show thus far? Yeah. It's fine in certain situations i feel like but overall i feel like i'm bored i don't know if there's enough happening i guess you could say and it seems to really most of it stem from tamra i'm getting a better idea of who i like and who i am still uncertain about but overall there's just not a lot of substance you know i slightly disagree with you i'm not like loving it yeah i'm content I'm content with what I'm seeing. It's, it's but are enough. you content because we've had so much craziness over the it last couple be. of months that you're just like, all right, it could be. This is easy to watch, potentially. But I do think that I like the cast of characters. I do like who I'm seeing on screen. Just as far as I do feel like some of these women are just different than what I'm used to. So that's fair. I also like that it does seem more extravagant. Like it is more of that old school housewives vibe where there there's yachts and there's big houses and there's glamorous shit. And like, I enjoy watching that. Too. Right. So for the time being, I'm content. I'm, I'm willing to just keep watching happily and see if it gets better and better or if it kind of fades away. But I'm, yeah, I'm still holding out hope. I'm not like closing the book on it or anything. I'm just giving you my episode three through six, wherever the hell we six, are, wherever we are in row C. I think it's three, dude. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into it. Heather and the kids are going off to college. What made me feel better is people pointed this out, and then it was confirmed via this week's episode. All of that shit that they're getting ready to send their child off to school with was their children. So at least there was two kids taking all that shit. Right. It was still a lot of stuff, but I, I it, it's more reasonable that it's for two. I get that. And I had a thought during this scene with the personal chef that you should be a housewife personal chef. I have had that would give us inside scoops. So here's the thing that you brought that up. I've had an idea to like reach out to a few of the housewives and just be like, hey, would you be down if I'll cook you guys dinner? I'll do it plated. We can do like a three to five course meal, like the whole thing. 
if if any of them would be down for that. Because look, for those of our listeners, I have some very high-end clients. I, I have a very respectable book, if you will. I've got good reviews, good ratings, despite what people on Twitter tell you about this podcast. But um, I've had that idea. So I might actually put that into play and see if we can have dinner via me cooking it for housewives. Yeah, the caveat is that I get to go and sit down and ask them questions. Yeah, and I will feed you and serve you dinner. Me too? Yeah. Wow. I know. That's wow. big. I was That's not expecting big. that. If no, that that I think this there's there's something to this. Okay. All right. Dinner and show. Dinner and what? What's the know. show? I don't know. Sean dances on the who? Whoa. What? Ugh. God. Why did I say that? Don't do that. There's people listening to this episode. I need to go rinse my mouth out with soap. That just felt blech. Yeah. Shoots. Shooter El Shuto Maguto. Let's get back to the episode. The one thing I want to take away from the scene is Heather is talking about having more of a presence back in LA. I guess she misses being a performer, wants to get back into acting, either on stage or TV. I wasn't really sure, but... I think that's that's cool to see and cool to hear that she wants to do something for herself. And I know there's a lot of Heather Dubrow fans out there. I don't really have an opinion on her yet. I've just I've only seen a few episodes other than her social media presence. But love to hear that she wants to get back out there, do her thing, because you deserve it. After raising kids, get back out there and do your thing, girl. But moving on, we're back at Cut Fitness with Tamara and Jen and Cuts closing down, so it's kind of like the last final farewell. They're setting up for a party later, or there's going to be a party later. But the focus of this scene is Tamara's apologizing (laughs) for her actions on the boat that she doesn't really remember. Yeah, which when she explained it made a little bit of sense that she's going through a lot with the gym closing. It sounded like a whole lot of runaround. It definitely was some runaround. And, And look, I think that she had enough people reach out to her and say, you're... We saw her on the boat. It, it made no sense. She popped off at some weird moment. Oh, she was triggered. And went on the boat, crazy, yeah. and she said "fuck a duck" multiple times. Multiple times. So, yeah, when you do something like that, and then the next day, I thought that she seemed remorseful, and I thought that it made sense. I also love the apology when you start off by saying, "I'm not making excuses for myself," but, and then go into all the details as to why you may have been in that state of mind. Whatever. She still apologized. She still she talked to Jen about it, kind of bounced some ideas off of her. And Jen was I thought she was a good friend while also being logical and helping Tamara kind of get through and figure out if she was actually apologizing or if she was just kind of saving grace. So I had one opinion about Jen before this episode. I have some differing opinions now that I've seen this episode. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting that she is a friend of Tamara. Yeah, so, which you wouldn't know if you didn't have that. No, context. you would not. I I thought that was interesting as well. But in this scene, we find out more about like Ryan and Jen because as we know, Jen had an affair with this man Ryan. The timeline is a little skewed. It's getting more and more skewed as these episodes keep going. But I guess they met at Cut Fitness and that was kind of where they would mingle if you will. It's a good word. Mingle. Yeah. She claims that it was always on the up and up as far as being physically intimate. It was more of an emotional affair until it was officially off with her husband. But the details that continue to come out via Tamara a lot of the time, which is weird, or Tamara's at least the caveat to kind of push it forward. She literally says, just tell the truth. It's like, yo, 
if that's your girl and she doesn't want to spill the beans, why are you forcing her to do it? Well, one funny. on TV and two in front of your friends. It's funny because I kind of had that thought too. And when I'm thinking about watching a pattern of how people lie on these shows, what they tend to do is they tend to kind of overshadow or overreach on one of their lies to kind of knock down the actual truth, if you will. Oh. So when she comes out and says, yeah, you know, it was way worse. It was emotional. It was an emotional affair. People are going to kind of focus on that and be like, yeah, no, I get that. Like you were actually attached to another human and you were kind of neglecting your husband at the time and having a tough time with your marriage. So maybe they're not going to dig as far into finding out if there was physical intimacy. Interesting. And after watching Tamara say that, I sort of that's sort of not confirmed, but my suspicions are growing. But moving on, we get a scene with Shannon and John and um they're going to an energy healer, and would you ever get jewels put in your teeth? No. Do you think that was on the show? Did we miss that? No. I, I, I don't... This falls under the realm of, like, astrology for me, honestly. Yeah. Where it's it's sort of the same thing. It's You got healing rocks, and look, if that's what you want to do, and you want to just carry it on you just for your own well-being, go ahead and do it. If you're going to take that rock out and tell everybody at the party that this is supposed to protect you, no. We're no, not going to go force through it don't upon us. Do that, but I understand you're on a TV show. If that's what you want to go do, you go do it. I guess this is a staple for these shows. You have to apologize on Facetime. You can't I just know. call or text. I guess we've seen text messages in the past, and those are the ones that don't really hit. But the Facetime apology, I guess it's again. This is why I thought that Tamara actually felt bad because she was she looked actually upset. Maybe she, she was more bad. I think that she was probably more upset about her actions and her losing control than she was about actually hurting. Oh, that's feelings. Fair. Yeah. But she still apologized. And I, look, that, that takes a big person to admit when you're wrong and your actions were stupid. And if you're going to FaceTime somebody to do that, props to you. I agree. And I did think she was genuine. I thought it was interesting that Shannon cries after the call. And I'm kind of on the fence if those were real tears or not. If they are real tears, then she was genuinely hurt by whatever happened between her and Tamara in the past. I think she was, honestly. I think that's just the two people that we're seeing where Shannon's just better at deflecting and kind of internalizing the feelings that she might have towards Tamara. And you see Tamara spiraling. I mean, I don't know how how much they've been around each other since before Tamara rejoins the OC cast. But it clearly hasn't been as much as they've been together now. Yeah. So I think this this whole show is kind of bringing up those emotions and making them deal with it. Tamara is dealing with it in a way that she is showing all of her emotions and freaking out and then immediately apologizing and telling other people that she feels bad. And Shannon is still, you know, putting up a strong effort to not dig into it. But the tears afterwards show me that I think that she was actually hurt. I think I do think they were genuine, but yeah, but moving on from that, we are with Taylor Armstrong at her house and Heather comes over because Taylor's going to be in a movie. After hearing her scene and her read the lines, how do you think that she did? Would you cast Taylor her? or Heather? Taylor. Okay. Uh, look, I don't know. I mean, in the housewife world, people just kind of pop up in movies. I don't really question it anymore. No, it's just that she And is we don't know like director. what network it's going to be. It could be a Lifetime movie. It could be this and that, whatever. I didn't really read too far into it. I was kind of stuck on the idea that Heather didn't realize that she was actually invited to be part of it because she was drunk and didn't realize that Taylor was being serious. I love that. That her... was the best part of the episode for me. <laughs> when Heather's like, wait, you were serious? Like she genuinely 
Taylor sent her text messages saying, this is the character that you'll be playing. This is, you know, the ensemble. This is everything else that's going into it. And Heather just sends three question marks back. Yeah. Because she genuinely had no idea what was going on. But that's what I, when she has that little cutaway where she's doing her confessional and we find out that Taylor knows the director and that's how she was cast in the movie. Yep. And she also got a part for Heather. I'm not belittling the movie. I think it's cool that she's in a movie. She's obviously excited. So congrats to you on being in the movie. And you took it upon yourself. You know that Heather was an actress. Heather wants to get back into acting. Taylor thinks that this is a very, very kind gesture that she's giving to Heather in which she's like, hey, I know you want to do this. So I got you a part in my movie. The way that Heather acts is that she's too big for this movie. She's too important. Like She's like, I need to hear from the director. I need to hear from the casting director. I need to talk to whoever's producing the movie. They need to talk to my agent. They need to this and that. Like We need to discuss numbers. Like, Are you kidding me? It's like, okay, settle down. One, this was just a nice thing that your friend did trying to get you in her movie. Two, you can do the fucking movie without hitting all of your pinpoints on what your contract needs are. Like, I need my trailer here. I need this and that. It's like, just go to Oklahoma with your friend and do the fucking movie to make her happy. It's probably one scene. It's like one day of yeah. work. You will get paid something. You haven't acted in a while. Use it as a warm-up game. It's an exhibition match. Yeah, brush go, off the cobwebs. Totally. Go to Oklahoma and shake it out. Shake uh, I, off the and that's funny because I honestly think that as we get to learn who these women are as we move through the show, we talked about how Heather sat down with her family and she was talking about how she wanted to go back into acting. And then immediately when she's given the opportunity to do so, she has all these questions. She, she has it. all these stipulations and she mocks it and there's all this. So I think that just kind of points to who Heather actually is. Yeah, maybe. Where, yes, she wants to do things. But she also expects everything to be top of the line. No, if you've been out of acting for that long and you're not Daniel Day-Lewis, you're probably not going to get those things. <laughs> I love that that's the marker of like, if you're not I Daniel like Day-Lewis. Like, he's got to be like universally known as probably the best actor, right? He's up there. He's got to be. He's top two, at least, at the very As far least. as range goes, yeah. Range and, <laughs> range and dedication, honestly. No, yeah, him I, and Christian Bale. He is a crazy method actor. He lived in a log cabin getting ready for Lincoln. Like, built and lived in the entirety of the movie. Yeah. That's crazy. Welcome Love to that. welcome to Movies with the Bros. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But we're at the cut party, and we get to meet Ryan the Cowboy, who is Tamara's son, and he's working at a ranch up the road. He really took Yellowstone to heart, and he's living the rancher life, and I love that. I love that shit, and he's enjoying it. And good for you, buddy. The ranch life is a is a tough life, but it's a satisfying, gratifying life, son. Yeah, I mean, I just like it that he's actually enjoying it. It sounds like he had a pretty tough childhood, and obviously this show's been around for, what, 17 seasons? It's been, yeah. So we've kind of seen him grow up, or other people have seen him grow up. Other we didn't go back have. and watch it. But it's good to see that at least he kind of found something that he really likes. What the fuck was Eddie wearing when he walked in? I don't know. Dude, are, yes. Fuck yeah. I wrote right I here. wait to get to this point. What the fuck is Eddie's outfit? I literally that, wrote that down. But the first line that he has is some weird cock joke. The last time that I saw you two with your cocks out, was that a urinal? Yeah, I didn't. Under, what? I don't know. It's a weird intro. It's a weird intro, and it's even weirder that he's wearing what looked like athletic shorts and a loose fitting dress shirt with a tie that was sort of tied and then hanging around. Like, I don't know what he was going. He's for. going for the, I'm the cool ruffled personal trainer, man. Like, yeah, but I look like a violation. You can't talk about yeah. cocks. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> he's trying to come off like the, I could, you know, go to a party and I could also work out in this same outfit like and look great doing it. Business in the front party in I, the back. That 100% was the, Outfit representation of a mullet. Yeah, correct. Even more so than a tuxedo t-shirt. 
Yeah, that's that's true. So you know what, Eddie? You're an innovator, and I appreciate no. that. No, 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 no. You know no, what I'm no, going to wear to our? Do you know what I'm going to wear to our live show in New York now? A loose fitting shirt, athletic shorts, and a tie, and a loose fitting tie. I was going to wear an Eagles jersey, but yeah. But the whole crew arrives at cut for the party, and uh, gotta appreciate a woman that thinks their dude is just the hottest guy in the room because Taylor's like talking about her husband and how great he is, and she's like, "He's pretty hot too." And it's like flashes to him, and he's got like a spiked up hair and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Love that for you guys. Yeah. I love a supportive wife. That's a great. that's a good thing to hear. But Shannon finally gets to the party, and the first thing that Tamara does, which is good is immediately go up to her and she apologizes. She takes full responsibility and she hugs her and says, I misses you and, and starts crying. And again, the tears between the two of these women do seem genuine. They do seem real. I'm, right. I'm buying it. I'm buying what they're selling, at least for now. It goes to a quick confessional and Shannon's like, she needs to apologize for the last two and a half years. And this is where I take issue with a lot of the shows and a lot of the people on these shows across the board. It could be Summer House. It could be... Real Housewives, when you get an apology, can't you just take that for what it's worth and just move on? Like, do you have to be I, like, I need two years of a pie? There might be some deep shit here. Yeah. But can't you at least be like, all right, cool, let's move forward. There's some other things that we need to talk about, but this is a good start. Or I something think she like kind of did in the sense that she accepted the apology then and there. And what we saw was the confessional, which she then said she needs to apologize for the last two years. I actually kind of agree with Shannon, honestly. I think that Tamara is in the moment and she is refusing to talk about it. Maybe Shannon is as well. Maybe both of them need to talk about the last two years. It can't just be one-sided. There's no way that Tamara just spurned you for two straight years and made a mockery of you. You probably did something in return. So yes, the two of you do need to sit down. But I don't really have an issue with her sitting in her confessional. If she had done it right then and there at Tamara's party mm -hmm. and said, yeah, that's great and everything, and I accept that apology, but I need you to apologize for the last two and a half years. Right then and there, I'd have an issue with it. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I can see both sides of it, but the big news of the night, Jean is talking to Heather and brings up this post that was from Jen. This is where I start to shift a little bit on Jen. Yeah. But we did see previously in the night, Tamara, that's when she's like poking Jen, like, just, just be honest, just tell the truth, just yep. tell the truth, and then brings up the fact that she was allegedly caught in a car banging Ryan at the gym. Tamara, this is your friend. This is your friend. I am starting to lean towards Shannon's side that you probably fucked this thing up because what the hell? You invited her on the show. Like, she's your girl. And the first thing you do is talk about how she's lying about the affair she had. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I guess... The only thing I could really think of is Tamara wants this show to be good and she came back and she had a few ideas and she said, look, I've got this friend. Maybe I'm not super close to her and I'm ready to burn her oh, if I need to. Lamb. Sort of. Yeah. Let me bring her on the show and she'll be a friend of. She has a really compelling storyline that we can dig into. That's really going to piss I off love the other women this. here. So I look, love I, this. Tamara's a vet. She knows what she's doing. She came back and she knew what she was going to do. Obviously, the thing with Shannon isn't going to carry the whole season. But as we saw. Both Gina and Emily have issues with what Jen is talking about when it comes to the affair to the point where you get both sides. Gina walks away and says, I can't deal with this. We're not going to glorify somebody having an affair. Fully understand that because yeah, no. that's what they were doing. And we're getting to the point now we're in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth episode, wherever the <laughs> hell we are. And 
Jen has talked about her affair more than anything else on this show. She hasn't talked about anything else on the show. No. She's been the shoulder to kind of lean on for Tamara here and there, but she's not bringing any other personal stories aside from her affair. And we're getting more information. And like you said, the timeline's getting skewed. Now all the other women are kind of finding out about it. And Jen's getting more comfortable talking about it, which is weird. If you're going to be that open about your affair, you can't be comfortable talking about it. I don't know. It's something that you did. You're admitting that you did something wrong. You can't be kind of smiling and, and rubbing shoulders with people while you talk about your affair. It's yeah. just weird. Wouldn't well, you want to not talk about it? Especially considering somebody at the table was cheated on and yeah. was crushed by it. Like It's just time and place, I guess, if there ever is a time and yeah, place There's just that. no social awareness there. I, I, think, I really do just think that she's gotten to a comfortability point. And I'm happy that Emily checked her. Because I thought that maybe Gina was going to go over and say, she ended up going over and saying something to a couple of the guys that were standing in the corner, and that's fine. But Emily checked her fully. Yeah. And went deep into it, started grilling her. This was the moment where I liked having the uh, the never before scene because you get the little blip in the corner, yeah, like we were talking about before in the blind date thing. Emily grills the accused or something like that. <laughs> and Emily went after her. And I appreciate it because until then, Everybody's just kind of been taken aback. Like, whoa, you're really open about talking about this. Like, good whoa. for you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, you get it. Essentially, you've gotten a good for you. And she's gotten to the point where maybe she thinks that she's almost right in this moment. And Emily brought up a great point. Did you try to find out if your family had an open position on their ranch in Oklahoma so that your husband could go out and work there and you could live here and carry on your affair? That's a really good point. Yeah. And, of course, Jen immediately denies it. And there's this whole thing. I think Emily's right. I think, and look, you can argue that it might be subconscious. You can argue that she didn't realize what she was doing, but yes, deep down she was. If Jen takes that stance in the next couple episodes and she starts to talk about it and she says, whoa, maybe I did subconsciously do that. I think she's lying entirely. I, I think too. she's lying because I think what she's doing is she's realizing what people want to hear and giving them a little bit of information yep. to hide the greater picture. Yeah. she's. So if she does that in the next two to six episodes, wherever the hell we are again, then I'm going to point to her and say, she's definitely lying about all this. Yeah. It's like lying by admission. Yes. Like she's giving them just, a we just bit. created a new phrase. Lying by admission. Yep. Yep. Coined, put it in the, we'll make a shirt. We'll make a shirt. Shooter's army lying by Shooter's admission. Ar <laughs> That's a shirt. That's a good fucking shirt. Shooter's army lying by admission. Coming to a Etsy shop near you. But, the last thing, and this is also another knock against Jen, there's a post on her Instagram, the one I referenced earlier, and it's her celebrating with the other partners of her yoga studio. And the caption is, congrats, we're still here. Amazing. Like something like that, where they're praising each other for still being open yep. the day before you're going to your friend's gym closing party. She's losing her business, can no longer stay open. And the day before that, you're going to post some nonsense about you celebrating that you're still open. And then you have the audacity, audacity, audacity to sit there and say to her that it wasn't intentional. That's yeah, that that's a big, big, big problem. If you're celebrating, I don't even know if it was the anniversary. That was the thing that I wanted to find out. She said it was a TikTok <clears throat> trend. Like, OK, no, it's not. It, I'm on TikTok a lot. It's not a fucking TikTok trend. There's no way in hell it's a TikTok trend. If it's your anniversary, like your five-year, six-year anniversary of being open, sure, 
You can put a big sentimental post and say, you know, five or six years, we had no idea that we were still going to be open and thriving and doing great. Yeah, maybe people can draw some conclusions and say, whoa, this is a little insensitive because Tamara's shutting down her thing. But at the end of the day, you're praising your business. That's fine. Yeah. But to do it that specifically and say, who thought that we'd still be open? Praise be, whatever. That's insensitive. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale? Praise be. Praise be. <laughs> Under his eye. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know what's going to come from that. Tamara seems to accept that it was just bad timing, which is shocking. And that's where... Maybe Tamara's turning into a leaf. No, she's not. We've seen <laughs> clearly that she's not. And the thing about her, she's on two T's. So she is as clued in as any housewife that has not been on That's for an extended period. She's still been kind of warming up in the bullpen because she talks about every show nonstop. Yeah. So I think that she came in to this season locked in. I think she's bringing everything she has for better or worse. It might turn into a total train wreck. But she will not go quietly into that good night. She got invited back to the show, and she's here to stay or attempt to. I, I think so. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Last but not least, we are back in Hot Atlanta. And I know we've read a few comments, multiple comments, that say this is not a good season. I love it. I really enjoy it. I'm having a great time. Yeah, I am too. And this makes me want to go back and watch the old seasons. It's, hey, to all of you that keep telling us to do that, it's not that we don't want to do that. It's simply that we don't have the time to do that. I would love to dive back into the vault of all of these lovely ladies because they're really entertaining. And apparently NeNe Leakes is even more entertaining. People say we got to go back and see her. She's one of the OGs of all the OGs. Look, hopefully we get back there at some point, but just know it's not from lack of wanting to, because we love this show. Yeah, I mean, we barely have enough time to actually do our show. I know. We have to figure out when the hell we can do that. So how are we supposed to go back and watch all these things? I'm enjoying it now. That's the thing. I am enjoying it right this We instant. live in the now. We live in the now. And I, look, I'll say it. I enjoy it so much that I will go back and watch previous seasons. I'm just not going to do that right now. We have too much on our plate. During the summer, things slow down a little bit. Maybe if I start working from home a little bit more, I'll watch a little Atlanta because I enjoy it a lot. In this episode alone, we had a Young Berg reference. We had multiple TI references. I know. It was great. It brought me back to all the shit that I like to listen to in the early 2000s that I still listen to because I refuse to listen to new music. I talked about last week. Pretty much exclusively in my class, play only early 2000s. The latest I'll go is 2010 hip hop. Yeah. It's a great I mean, era. Candy, Candy dropped a specific line from You Don't Know Me by T.I. I know. Like, it was it so just good. Off the cuff, it was just out of nowhere. That song is 20 years old. At Don't least. say that. No, no, I know. But it's 20 years old at least. Golly. The fact that she was able to just do that indicates that Candy probably spends her free time listening to T.I. And I love it. Well, Candy also knows T.I. That's fine by me. So, anyway, let's get into it. We open up with Drew is... She just put out a single, which <laughs> we get reminded of the amount of streams, which is 30,000, which she was proud of. And Ralph was like, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's still one of my favorite scenes because it was just so mean. Yeah. <laughs> so out of nowhere. But she's sitting with Rage, who is a music video producer. He's worked with countless big names. He's clearly like one of the guys. That... Yeah, he was the one who made the Youngberg reference. Yeah. But this made her push to do music again more credible for me. I think she has an amazing voice. Like, she clearly can sing, and I do like her song. So it's not, like, shocking that she could actually be popular again. But the fact that this dude was directing her music video, and I don't know if that's because she knows him or 
if you just pay a certain if like if you're willing to pay for it i mean she did say she was going to pay for it because she said i'm ready to drop a bag on this anyway so i I get that and i appreciate the fact that she's going all in i also appreciate the fact that she's not bringing ralph into this to talk about this because he's not giving her a lot of motivation to do these things he said he's going to check out of it yeah exactly and he still wants to be the number one guy in the music video like look i'm sorry We've seen this it, with, and this is for whatever reason, the second Adriana reference that I've made today, but Adriana did a music video and she had all the housewives in it. You immediately lose credibility when that happens. Bring it back, baby. <laughs> Miami's coming back and we're pumped about it. But Adriana had a music video and obviously that was part of the storyline, but there's other housewives in it. If I'm sitting down and look, I like it when you're at parties and there might be music playing, but they've got music videos playing in the background. You see it at bars sometimes. If I see Adriana's music video pop up and all the Miami Housewives are in it, I'll laugh. I'll think it's funny, but I immediately discredit that song. If I see Drew up there and she's with a chiseled dude dancing at a roller skating rink, which, by the way, is quintessential ATL. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Great movie. Go back and watch it if you haven't with T.I. But wow. Full circle. Full circle. Once again. But Ralph wants to be involved in it. If I see her dancing with her husband in it and her husband isn't some maybe featured on the song and he's not singing too, I'm going to discredit it. Yeah, it does it, seem it less just professional. loses it, it for whatever reason. And I get that she's doing this and it, it sucks that we're watching this now knowing that yeah, they are divorced. divorced. Yeah. And there was a specific line that popped up where I, I forget if it was Rage who said it. Yeah, it was Rage who said it when she was sitting down. Rage said... If you guys can make it past this eighth year, you'll be fine. Yeah. Ugh. Jesus. God. And you see this all the time. And look, I'm not like really a Drew fan. I feel like she's just Candy's minion at this point, even lower down on the scale than Kenya is. But in this moment, I felt really bad for her because she's just trying to push her music career. She's trying to get back into it. She's taking all the right steps. She's actually getting a choreographer. She's getting somebody to do the whole music video, somebody who's well-known in the industry. And she's got her loser husband sitting there trying to be part of the show it doesn't really make sense to me if he was actually supportive he would have walked in there and been like oh he can't do the dance well like can you get another guy to do it like yeah. look ralph's not in bad shape by no, any he's means. not like you're not in bad shape at all but that's not the point the point is if they're trying to sell sex here and you can get some dude up there that's got a 12 pack and is like shredded and like sweaty with drew on screen that's probably going to sell better than her having a romantic moment with her husband like that's not the point i don't think no it's not she's clearly doing it for him like she's making that adjustment to everything so that she can appease him and hopefully move their marriage forward she's taking family over her job right and i think that obviously when she's rewatching this she is is kicking kicking herself herself to do that yeah But the next scene, we get a little cryo with Sonya and Sheree, and I love cryo. Do you do cryo? I haven't done cryo, but I really want to do it. There's one in Conchi. It's like five minutes away. Okay. It's great. Yeah. But I'm a, cryo. I'm, a, I'm a cryo fan. I do think it works. If you don't do cryo and you work out and your legs are sore, go give it a shot because okay. it, it works. But um, they're going over the beat the bomb night, which... Um, again, looks like a blast. I still want to do beat the bomb. Yep. Uh, I think that one of our listeners... I think Jared... Jared Barnes, second reference to oh, Jared. Really? I think he offered to take us to Beat the Bomb if we ever do a show in Atlanta. He's like, it's like 15 minutes outside of the city. We can go to Beat the Bomb. I would love to go to Atlanta. We would love to do that. So you know what? We'll take you up on that, Jared, if you're listening. Yep. Uh, we will do Beat the Bomb with you when we do our show in Atlanta. We don't have one scheduled. Don't get excited, Atlanta. But No, but we know there's a city winery there's down there. There's a city winery there. That's what we do now. And they like us. We like them. So stay tuned. But 
They're going like Erica Jane doing a residency, except we're just going to city winery. We're just like, a, yeah, we're city winery residency, which, you know what? We don't need the hype of Vegas. We wouldn't make it out of there. God, November. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going over the evening, and Sheree seems pretty torn up about the fact that the whole group is kind of shattered. Like, there's two sides, clearly, and within those sides, there's little factions. It's just there's a lot of disconnect, and she gets along with a lot of the ladies in the group across yeah. these different lines. So she wants to have a lunch or a brunch and get everybody together and kind of try to squash everything. Which never goes well. No, these things never go well. I never, like, why do different housewives think that they have the formula to have a successful sit down? I have no idea. Each time they seem so confident going into it. It's always like, we're going to sit down. It's going to be a Gucci brunch. It's going to be awesome. Everyone's going to squash their beef. You think she wrote the poem? Yeah. I think that she and her team wrote the poem. Okay. All right. I think think she definitely contributed. I don't know if she did or not. I'm not saying one thing or another, but. I just she has a rap song out there, according to Candy. So, really thought that when Candy was pulling her phone out, she was going to play it. I thought she was too, and I wanted her <sighs> so to. Disappointed. Maybe she did, but Bravo didn't want to pay the royalties. Uh, that's a possibility. <laughs> that cheap. <laughs> Another shot of Bravo. Um, but Sonia's on board too, and she thinks that Marlo and Candy need to have a sit down, and she believes that Drew and Kenya are the reason that they can't come to some kind of agreement, or at least like sit down, because every time they attempt to. Either Drew is there or Kenya is there just kind of yelling on the sidelines. But boy, was she right. I mean, she's not wrong because that, that's the funniest part is that was foreshadowing for yep. what we see literally that happen at the brunch. But the next scene, Marlo and Courtney are at dinner and it's kind of juxtaposed to this scene with Candy and Sonya. Marlo and Courtney are sitting there and Courtney hooked up Marlo with this guy to help her clean her record up to get a gun because she feels unsafe in her home ever since her home was broken into and she's got the boys living there now. So she feels that she would be safer if she was able to get a gun. She wants to do it the right way. So she's trying to go through the right steps to do so. And she was FaceTiming her legal consultant and this whole process in which he made it seem somewhat easy to kind of clean a record up. Yeah. He just said, I'll give you the forms. And honestly, I, I appreciated this scene because so far we've seen, obviously Courtney put together the beat the bomb night, which imploded pun intended. Hey. Um, but I actually genuinely liked this because we get to see that Courtney is trying to make friendships with people and she's kind of across the board. I mean, she's making friendships. Obviously, she's Drew's cousin-in-law, I guess, is what you can kind of say there. I, a cousin because they're like married. Second oh, cousin. I, guess in I don't really know how that works. Uh, yeah. I never know. Third, fourth. Twice removed. Whatever. Twice removed second cousin. But you can see her trying to, you know, find her way through this show. And I thought that Marlo genuinely accepted that and liked that. And appreciated that because that's something that nobody else in this show has really given Marlo a chance. They just keep talking about her past and talking about her past and talking about her past. So who's she going to go to to try to figure this out, at least on screen? Nobody, because they're always just going to bring up the past and they're going to make jokes about, well, do you think you should have a gun? You did slash that girl's face 47 years ago. Who cares? Like, no, she wants to protect her family. Courtney's helping her out. And we got to see a different side of Courtney, which wasn't her just screaming and being this woo girl walking in and screaming woo when she sees other people. I don't like to see that. I like to see this part of Courtney where she's actually helping somebody else out. And this isn't just me being a Marlo stand, guys. All right. I like Marlo. But you are. I like Marlo a lot. I think she's pretty real. I'm turning on her. You're turning on her? Yeah, I don't I don't know, uh, man. We'll, we'll get there. But I liked the scene and juxtaposed to 
Candy and Sonya sitting down, which I also appreciate and support Sonya because she's just trying to get other people to be friends without really stepping on toes. And I like that because she's friends with Candy and she's friends with Marlo. I get it because, look, Candy doesn't really think there's a compromise to be had. And if she's going to stand by that, she's going to stand by that. I support that. That's fine. Whatever. But Sonya's not really trying to be overly forceful, I don't think. And I think the Candy's kind of giving her a bad draw by looking at her and saying, oh, you're just sticking up for your friend Marlo. I don't really want to hang out with you and your friends. And she just kept putting it on her like, no, you're allowed to be friends with Sonya, even if she's friends with somebody that you don't like. That's where I kind of have umbrage with Candy through this whole thing. She's just, she's only going to be friends with people who are directly loyal to her, Drew and Kenya. I could see where you would say that, but I also, I connected more with Candy in this scene only because she's sharing why she's not that friend. Like, I do see that Marlo wanted her to, you know, give her more condolences or flowers or show up more or whatever. And again, we saw the scene between them after Quentin died, and I didn't, I thought that Candy did enough. I didn't think that she needed to do any more than she did. And then seeing this scene, she's like, my brother died when I was 15, and how I got through that is I push through things. I move past them. I give you opportunities. I give you motivation. I move you forward. I do not go backwards and rehash this shit. If you need to do that with somebody, I'm not your girl. And that's okay. People can be that. They can be something else as far as support goes. I, I also think that she gave enough. I think that she did enough to at least for them to be able to be cool and move on. This seems to me like an opportunistic moment for Marlo to come after Candy. That's all I'm seeing now. And then when Candy explains kind of how Marlo works, like she says shit, then she apologizes for shit, and then she plays the victim. Like I, there is a pattern. I've seen it. I'm I, watching. I it. know that there's a pattern, and I know what she's doing, and okay. I know that she doesn't care about the flowers. All right. I'm supporting her because I see Candy avoid these issues all the time, and I want Candy to speak up. I want Candy I to talk she did. about things. She did. I don't think she did. She said my brother died when she I was. She said 15. it to Sonya. She's not dealing with it with she the rest of the group. Oh, Marlo, that. But she'll never owe anybody that because the two, the other two, her minions, are just going to scream over and make jokes the whole time. So Candy knows that she'll never actually have to face any music. All right. Well, I, there's there's a divide being Look, formed. I, I like Candy. I just I know what Marlo's getting at. I don't agree with how she's going about it, but I know what she's getting at. And I want the same thing. I want Candy to take responsibility for certain things. I want her to talk about certain things that make her uncomfortable. You're on a TV show. That makes people do this. You can't just rely on your other two friends to make a clown show of the whole thing. Well, I think we're going to get more and more out of them both. Like we said, this seemed like it was going to be the focal point of the season, and it's looking more and more so like that, especially because you're seeing sides more prominently now. That's when we get the scene with Drew and Ralph and Rage. We already talked about that. But we get Kenya at the doctor, and she's discussing potentially having another kid. She's been on some hormone medication because she was having hot flashes and then cold flashes, and she was just trying to figure out what was going on. We get a little insight into the birth of her child, and we learn that it was a very scary pregnancy. It was a C-section, and the doctor said it was the scariest C-section or birth that she had ever been a part of as a doctor so yeah. she went through a whole lot lost a ton of blood almost didn't make it through it so they're discussing her options and the doctor pretty much lays it out like is this worth losing your life to have another kid and it's a tough conversation and it's one that again we like to point out when housewives bring these actual issues up and are open about them and talk about them and are vulnerable and allow 
the viewers to connect because I'm sure there's countless women that are watching that have gone through similar things and it's difficult to process and to see somebody that you can resonate with is important. I think that's an important moment for these women. It is. Yeah. I mean, it humanizes Kenya who up until now has just kind of been a thorn in other people's sides. I haven't agreed with a lot of the things that she said, but when you sit down doing this and this kind of just goes across the board. I mean, you just said that a lot of other people are going through it. I immediately think I do not personally have the strength to ever do that. If my life is in danger, you would never catch me a couple years later trying to do the exact same thing that maybe almost killed me because I'm not strong enough to deal with that. There's a lot of women out there, a lot of mothers out there that are in the same boat as Kenya. Yes, they almost lost their life, but they want to have another child and they want to do it that way. Uh, kudos to them because I can't even imagine. I would immediately tuck my tail and run the other way. There's no way in hell you would catch me. I'd have a surrogate. I would do this. I would do that. But there's so many people out there, so many women out there that are willing to do that because they want to have another child, and I applaud them. Well said. Moving on from that, we get to Sheree's Gucci brunch, and everyone shows up wearing Gucci. Kenya shows up with a Chanel bag, I think. I think. Yeah. And I could be could be outing myself here as not a fashionista. But I think it was a Chanel, or it was a Gucci suit with it was a, Gucci a suit Chanel that she doesn't wear belt, and then... A Chanel bag or something? I thought it was a Chanel bag. I didn't pay close enough attention to it, to be honest. Well, I thought it was a Chanel bag. The Gucci, she doesn't wear labels. So she walks in with some vintage Gucci that uh, Marlo claims that she thrifted. Yes. <laughs> the Love the shade on this show is so good. It's incredible. It's so it's, good. It's unmatched. But Sheree addresses the group, and she just kind of says what she was talking about earlier, where she wants to get back to a place where they have fun again, where this group can go out, kiki, have a good time, do their thing. She also references the fact that she has relationships with all of them, and she wants them to fix their shit so that they can all be cool together. She doesn't like that by being friends with one person might jeopardize her friendship with another person, and it's just it's a lot of nonsense, and she wants it to stop. Yeah, Sheree is just speaking on behalf of all Bravo fans who are tired of this, because it's yeah. in every freaking show. Yeah, everyone don't, fights. We don't want to deal with it anymore. We just want them to have fun. And then have real drama, not just stick to your teams and start yelling about who's right and who's wrong. It's annoying. And look, we say it all the time. We just said it before. These brunches never work out how they're intended to. Well, Candy and Courtney come to terms because they both agree that the initial argument was dumb to begin with. And right. Candy appreciated that Courtney came outside and checked on her after that whole thing. And it's funny and this is potentially a little glimpse into how Candy is and how she reacts because she brings it up in that moment to say, I did appreciate you coming outside and checking on me after everything went down at your night. But in the actual moment when things were going down, she was very dismissive of Courtney and was like, yeah, well, I got to go and just like bounced. But it doesn't mean that she didn't take notice of Courtney coming out to do it. So I think that Candy really might not be that person. She's just not the warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't mean that she's not taking everything in. I think that she acknowledges everything that's happening around her. That's yeah, I would agree that. Yeah. But they seem to squash it, and they're willing to move forward. And then we get to Sonia and Kenya. And Sonia feels as though she's been a consistent friend. She's been there. She showed up. She went to Birmingham. She did a lot of other things for Kenya. And she feels as though she hasn't been reciprocated. And although the friendship was moving forward, we get... Birmingham, Kenya telling her to go home. She doesn't need to be there. And we find out that the reason behind Kenya kind of pulling back from this friendship is because on Watch What Happens Live, she got a trap question 
They asked her about Kenya's butt. Is it real or fake? The answer wasn't bad. That wasn't derogatory. No, I didn't think so at all. She was like, I don't know. She goes, it might be, it might not be. I've heard rumors that it might be, but I don't know. I've never seen it. Never touched it. I don't know. I I don't think you can get more PC than that. I have no idea how else to answer that question aside from just not answering the question. Yeah, I know. Nope. Like, I thought that she, I thought she handled it well. The fact that Kenya still has an issue with it speaks to the fact that she probably has a deeper issue with Sonya. There's no way that it's just about that. If you told me that it's because Sonya is still friends with Marlo and she hates Marlo, that would make sense to me. That makes much more but sense. The butt comment doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then Sonya wants to move on from it. And again, it's the phrasing that Kenya uses. She picks her words intentionally because she Mm -hmm. says, we'll see if you're worthy of that trust. If you're worthy of my trust, if you are worthy of the gifts I can give you of being your friend. It's like she didn't really fuck up, dude. She didn't really do anything that bad. She didn't do anything bad in my eyes. She just answered a question the only way she possibly can. And you're holding that against her. But she doesn't owe you shit. She's not, she doesn't have to be worthy of anything from right. That's bullshit. But it's just, it's interesting. She uses that word. She uses attacking again later when Kenya starts to clap back at when Marlo and Candy are having their discussion. And this is when we get Drew talking. We get Kenya talking. And Kenya says, nobody's going to like you, Marlo, if you keep attacking people. Like the way that she says things, she does it with intention, especially with Marlo. Because Marlo did attack somebody and she keeps wanting to reference that. She's using that word with Marlo for a reason. I think every time she opens her mouth, there's a point to it. I don't think that she wastes words. No, no, I, I fully agree. And this is this was the part of the show that I got really annoyed at. And this is why, and again, I like Candy when she's by herself, but I know what she's doing. She's sitting over there. She knows that she doesn't actually have to deal with this. She just let Drew and Kenya start yelling. And obviously, Kenya's a little higher up in the ranks than Drew is because when Drew starts talking, I have no idea what Drew's even saying. Not no, she, even the slightest talk idea. Over her. Even the subtitles don't even show what Drew's saying. It's so funny. She's just saying random things and smirking and laughing and doing this and doing that. And Candy was sitting back there with a smile on her face because she knows that she'll never actually have to sit down with Marlo and talk about this. She's never going to put herself in that position. She's just going to let her her army do her work for her. Everybody else on the show, this is where I have a problem. Everybody else on the show recognizes that, right? Sonya sits there and talks about how this is what's going to happen. Sheree sits there and talks about how this is what's going to happen. None of them are really speaking up on Marlo's behalf, even though they're friends with Marlo. They're not trying to shut the two of them up and let Candy and Marlo actually talk. By the time that Candy gets to the point where she says, fine, 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 let her talk, Drew at least shuts up, Kenya keeps going, and nothing gets accomplished. You're never going to get to that point. And again, I disagree with how Marlo is handling it specifically. She's trying to push this narrative that she wanted flowers, she wanted this and that, and her family reached out. That's not the way to do it. Just speak plainly. Drop all that bullshit and just tell Candy to her face that you want her to speak up for her actions. You want her to take responsibility for the things that she's done to you, for the things that she's done to other people on the show. Don't hide behind this guise that you're upset about something that happened years ago that really Candy's not involved with. She did her best. I agree with you. When you look back at that scene, I think that Candy did everything that was appropriate in that scene. I don't know how else you're really going to do it. Yeah, maybe she should have sent flowers. I don't know. I don't really care. That's not really part of it. You just want her to take responsibility for her actions. Just tell her that. Just tell her that. And maybe if she had a little bit more help from the supporting cast, it would move a little smoothly. 
But right now we're not getting that. And I don't know if we really are, honestly, because if any other show has told told us in the past what's going to happen, it's just going to be the same thing over and over, and we're not going to get anywhere. No, we're not going to. And I think that the problem is why... No, we're not going to. And I think the reason why is because it's been brought up too many times in front of the group. Right. And now Candy's just not going to have time for it. She's like, I'm not going to sit down with you and have this conversation because it's not worth my time. It's I would love it if the two of them would just sit down. Like, we've seen they that need to before. to sit down separate from the entire group and either hash it out or move on amicably or just go their separate ways. But right. This nonsense needs to stop where it's just third parties yelling at each other over Candy and Kenya. Yep. Or sorry, over Candy and Marlo because it's not getting anywhere. But the episode ends, and this is where I have an issue. I don't like Marlo particularly. I do think I see what Candy's saying. But when she leaves, the kind of shit like she's a bottom-rung bitch. Bottom-rung bitches need to stay on the bottom rung. That's where they belong. Stuff like that. And she sold her pussy for a bag. It's like everybody's got a past, okay? And giving her a stigma because of things that she's done in her past, I'm not saying Marlo's a saint. But I'm also seeing a Marla that's taking care of her sister's children, her nephews. She's doing a good job, seemingly. She's trying her best. She's taking, like, counseling with her kids. She's writing in journals with her kids. Like, she's doing the work. Does she have a past? Sure. Does she deserve to have that thrown at her every time something goes wrong? Fuck no. Absolutely not. She did her time. She served her time. Move the fuck on from it. And don't throw it out there that she is an escort selling her pussy for the bag because it's not fair dude like her nephews are gonna watch this show you know what i mean like that's where leave the kids out of it like her nephews are gonna see the show you talk problem if you turn that around on kenya and you start to say ridiculous things to kenya she's gonna freak out she'll lose her mind but that's the thing with somebody like kenya who just refuses to see things from the other side and will just keep yelling about things we get nowhere and that's when I that's when i feel bad for marlo and that's where i want other people to kind of speak up and put kenya in her place You can't keep doing things like this. You're going to eventually regret the things that you're saying, or maybe she won't. And if she doesn't, then she's just a bad person. (laughs) Like, that's where we are. Well, the episode ends with a fuck you and your flowers from Candy to Marlo. I don't see a bridge between the two of them ever being formed. I hope that they can have a conversation without the peanut gallery there. Yeah. But time will tell. Up first, we have from... Septadon, who would you want to go bowling with from the OC cast? Hmm. Um, hmm. Bowling. Do I have to pick like three? How do we just one person? Who would you actually? Let's do it Atlanta and OC. You can pick two. I can pick two. Yeah, one from each. All right. That's your team. Um, hmm. I would take Emily from OC. Okay. Because. She loves tacos. She yep. said that she loves tacos. So I think she would also be a lot of fun. So I'm going to take Emily from OC and I will go with. Hmm. I'm also thinking like competitively. I think Sonya would be really good. Obviously, she's an Olympic athlete. So I'm going to go Sonya and Emily. I'm going for the gold. I'm going with Sonya, obviously, because we're going to win. And Gina. Team? Yeah. I said pick a team. Oh. Too late. Oh, no, damn no, no. it. All right. Your team's still not bad. I was just trying to have a good time. No, yeah. My team is Sonia and Gina because Gina was doing soccer drills with her kids, so she's an athlete. So Gina, Sonia, will beat anybody. All right. That's my team. 
From Tajir Ford 01, do you think Kenya actually has an issue with Sonya or is she just looking for drama? Interesting question. I like this one. I think Kenya is always looking for drama. Yeah, I think that it's more drama focused than actually having an issue because the issue she brought up makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I, th- I think Kenya is entirely fine being friends with pretty much just Candy and Drew by association mm-hmm. that she will pick a fight with anybody else. From RP. 100,000. Top two questions you would ask Louie if you could interview him. Oh, man. Look, we talked about this, and I think we would actually be unbiased. Like, we're not going to bombard a guy if he's going to willingly come on our show. Because we want him to say everything he wants to say. That doesn't mean we believe everything he says. Yeah, exactly. But if he comes on the show... We're not going to be, like, snarky and assholes. I would... I would ask him to explain further why he decided to go on the rampage at Polly's house and yeah. talk about investigating everybody and see if he could dig a little deeper into that, kind of analyze that. If he kind of dances around the question, then we know the answer. And I would ask him, I don't know. I, I, there's so many. I, I You can't limit it to two questions. I have a ton of questions. For My first question would be the pajamas. Okay. Just I need an explanation face to face about the pajamas. My second question would be, yeah, see, it would be the phrasing that would be important because I think that he lies about everything. So it wouldn't be so much about the actual questions themselves, more about gauging his responses, I think. But that's all we got. You got anything else? No, everybody have a lovely weekend. We love y'all. Don't forget July 26th. Our live show in New York City at the City Winery. We got a great list of guests for you, so please don't miss it. Get your tickets ASAP. They're selling really fast. Other than that, we will see you next week. Bye. Doodles.